Good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta. Joining me right now, Dr. James Patterson, Assistant Professor of Politics at Ave Maria University, where he also chairs the Politics Department. He's the author of Religion in the Public Square, Sheen, King, and Falwell. And James, good to have you with me. Thanks. It's good to be back, Al. Let me ask you this. Uh, this the abortion issue, which has been so uh, important to Catholics, I mean, the bishops themselves called abortion the preeminent uh, issue, uh, it's identified with the Republican Party now. Mm-hmm. If the civil rights struggle had been identified with only one of the two major parties, if it didn't have support from Republicans as well as Democrats, would have would it have succeeded? Oh, that is um, wow. That uh, so this is a, a difficult question to answer. I would think in the uh, the nineteen sixties, um, you had uh, more heterodoxy among um, city members of Congress. Over the uh, over civil rights, um, mainly because uh, elected officials had more local politics as a concern than uh, a national ideological consistency mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. typifies more of the modern uh, party system. Interesting. Uh, and what uh, contributed to that urgency among both Republicans and Democrats outside of the South was the combined uh, outpouring of grief over. Um, um, the death of John F. Kennedy and um, the the images they saw of black suffering on, yeah. on television. And um, now in contemporary politics, uh, uh, there, there's not the same kind of context. Uh, as in, in addition, um, uh, there there's a fair amount of of interest that uh, pro-abortion. Uh, in, uh, uh, Organizations like Planned Parenthood have, and just preserving their own profitability, um, yeah, yeah, and trading in human life, yeah, yeah. It uh, it, it truly is a different era that we're in. Um, mm-hmm. But I I've, I I look at the the way that the uh, protection of the unborn is so so has moved away from Democrat politics. Uh, when I first started in the 1970s, uh, at least locally, you could count on, in Michigan, you could count on, you know, a good number of Democratic, uh, Democrat pro-life politicians. And that became less and less. And at the national level, uh, by the end of the 1970s, it was, you were getting to lose uh, very many national voices in the Democratic Party that supported uh human life in the womb you had eventually uh you had governor casey of pennsylvania and even he had trouble uh with the clinton administration when he went to was invited to speak uh or he he wasn't invited to speak i think it was the 92 mm-hmm. um convention anyways it's something that's on my mind because of uh the ballot initiatives that we saw during this election cycle in Michigan, in particular, Proposal Three, uh, which was passed, making abortion uh, a constitutional uh, right in the state of Michigan, uh, 
And so a lot of people are wondering, uh, how ought we to be thinking about the future uh, on this? Give me your impressions of yesterday's uh, election with the abortion issue in mind. So um, in a, it's, it's very strange uh, to see how this has played out. I think there's been um, a, a mismatch between the internal enthusiasm that pro-life organizations had with the Dobbs decision uh, and the broader public interest in regulating the abortion uh, out of existence. Uh, and the the reason uh, that there's this mismatch, I suspect, uh, is that for so long, uh, pro-life positions have been based around the message of overturning Roe versus Wade. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that there was not a strategy in place for handling, uh, persuading the public. Absolutely. Um, and so uh, there was a rush uh, to uh, uh, on both sides to get their own positions in place. And I think the uh, you know because of the 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 the, the, re- the reason why uh, I think there's such a a hesitancy among Amer- the American people. Uh, is that the status quo of of you know like the post Casey uh, world was uh, is comfortable and uh, they don't see any reason to place those kinds of limits uh, and uh, another reason I suspect uh, is that there's been a, a, a decline in general religiosity in the United States yeah. so that message is no longer received with as much um, vigor as it used to. Um, in in your book, Religion in the Public Square, you look at uh, Fulton Sheen, Martin Luther King Jr., and Jerry Falwell, and mm-hmm. their attempts to uh, speak uh, from out of their own uh, religious convictions to the uh, broader culture. Each of them, Sheen as a Catholic, uh, King as a black, uh, Falwell as a recovering fundamentalist, you might say, um, <laughs> all of them representing groups that were not entirely mainstream yet. I mean, Sheen gets right. involved right after the Al Smith election, doesn't he, uh, in That's his correct. early years? Yeah. yeah. And then, of course, King, we know, Montgomery bus boycott, and then uh, the, the March on Washington. Falwell comes up uh, in the 1970s, uh, the moral majority. And moral majority from the beginning is largely identified with the Republican Party. Mm-hmm. That's uh, right. Was Sheen was Sheen's attempt to influence um, Catholic thoughts on social policy? Was he identified uh, as a strict Democrat or Republican? So uh, Sheen was very careful, and I actually talk about this in the book. Sheen was very careful to manage uh, his influence in a way that he would be seen as more or less apolitical. Yep. And the way he would do this was to avoid partisan labels. And uh, this was done specifically, I think, uh, because there were other members of the clergy who did not have such scruples. Um, there was, of course, uh, Right Reverend New Deal, John Ryan. Yeah, right, uh, right, was, yeah. You know, the, <laughs> who regarded the New Deal as the, uh, the fulfillment of 
Leo the Thirteenth's vision of social justice. Right, and, right. Uh, there was Charles Coughlin, yeah. uh, who um, you know started out as a New Dealer and went in a very strange direction after that. Right, less right. said about that, the better. Um, uh, and uh, Sheen understood that there was a kind of power and in indirectly influencing members of Congress and the general audience that he spoke to. Uh, by avoiding direct political engagement mm-hmm. on a partisan level and instead speaking at um, the moral and spiritual level to form and, uh, and persuade uh, people regardless of parties. So you would have people like Thomas Dewey sharing the stand with him uh, and uh, later people like uh, Dwight Eisenhower on the Republican side. Mm-hmm. But you know, before that, he was associated with people like um, LaGuardia to some degree, but also especially Al Smith. Um, although Smith was a, kind of a curious figure in the Democratic Party. He was probably to the right of FDR and a few things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the way Sheen was very careful about shepherding his own, his own policies positions to, uh, in a way that was more in a prophetic mode when he would try to criticize people. He wouldn't name anyone or a party. Uh, and instead, what he would do would be to challenge the American people um, b- more broadly. Uh, and this was much more effective than, yeah. than the partisan approach that you got from Falwell, yeah. at least in the long term. Do you know uh, if Falwell himself... Intend always intended to be identified with the Republican Party. Uh, he did. He didn't really seem to be. I think Falwell was very well intentioned. Um, even though I think he's extremely unpopular today for you know the historical reasons, um, uh, <clears throat> such as you know the the reason uh, <laughs> the the some of the stuff he said about nine eleven is something sure. people remember, but. Yeah. Uh, Falwell genuinely believed in uh, um, a theology called premillennial dispensationalism, that is a, a Protestant interpretation of Scripture in which there are these periods of time that uh, are unfolding, and he believed that we were in the penultimate moment in which we had to save as many souls as possible before the Day of Judgment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there was almost like a sense of emergency to him, and he was afraid that um, secular trends, as they had emerged on the Democratic uh, Party, but not entirely, that's the thing, uh, uh, were a threat. And so he wanted to respond to them by embracing um, conservative politics. But in his original influence uh, uh, efforts, he shared the rostrum with a fair number of Democrats uh, in Virginia, What's significant is that those uh, Virginian Democrats would eventually become Republicans as the state moved into that party. Mm, okay. So he appears more bipartisan in the early years, but by the uh, time he's closing the moral majority, it is fully embedded in conser- the new conservative movement in Republican po- politics. And that, 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 that does a fair amount of harm to his reach to persuade people because he's seen as a partisan rather than as a religious figure. Yeah. Have you had time to think about uh, Donald Trump's influence on yesterday's uh, election? Uh, he endorsed roughly 300 candidates. A lot of those were fairly easy calls, and people are looking at the the real turn-up uh, races that he, in which he had endorsed people. And it doesn't look like he's doing very well. Have you had a chance to think this through at all? Uh, that is... Uh you know, one of the things that has been most important to me 
about this election is uh, this this did seem like it was going to be uh, a referendum on Trump as party leader. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you, it doesn't look good. I, I have to agree with you. Yeah. Um, Laxalt is, you know, too close to call in Nevada. Um, and uh, there, so this would be the, I think, I'm, I'm not sure, there's going to be a runoff in Georgia, but this really does place the Senate in balance. So conceivably, the Republican Party might be no better than where it started yeah. in the Senate. or um, And it may be better in the House. They'll flip the, the House most likely. Yeah. Yeah, um, but I do think that um, Trump has has uh, illustrated the limits of his politics, and they are to his own political efforts. People who try to use his methods, maybe uh, should uh, should reconsider. Yeah, yeah. Uh, James, thanks. Uh, let's uh, talk again soon. I really want to spend some time in the book with you. Okay, uh, that would be great, Al. I appreciate the, uh, uh, being able to talk to you about this, Dr. James Patterson.